Crusaders, America's the greatest country in the world. And San Diego's America's finest city. How are you? Hope you had a uh, wonderful Easter. Uh, I don't know where to start. I got like a million things to talk about today. Let's just do this. Uh, this is the pri- the new, I guess, Prime Minister of Estonia. She said, if women were in charge, like of the world, there would be less violence. Says Estonia as Prime Minister, a uh, first female leader offers a compelling alternative to a world ruled by violence. So she said she read Steven Pinker's book, The Better Angels of Our Nature. She says there's one chapter there about if there, if there are female leaders, there's less violence. And I absolutely agree. I haven't read that book. I don't know his evidence. I don't know exactly what he's even saying or trying to say. I can't debunk it. But here's what I am always fascinated by. This idea that we today are fundamentally different than thousands of years ago. People think that it's it's crazy to me that that we think today we're better than people thousands of years ago. Our institutions are better now than thousands of years ago. That we're wiser, we're more what? We have more self-control and we can be less violent. Or it's like, man, like reality is about to smack these academics in the face. Just absolutely smack it in the face. I saw a video, <laughs> saw a, video uh, a, a guy running with the bulls. I don't know if this is only done in Pamplona or anywhere else, but this guy, uh, this bull's running at this guy, right? And he does a spin move. And for a split second, he feels so good about himself that he just did a spin move away from this bull. And as soon as he turns around, this happens in a, one second, as soon as he turns around, another bull just pummels this guy. And because he's spinning and he's moving in one direction, he's moving in one direction and the bull comes in the other and just slices him in half. And I just feel like that's, that's who these people are. These academics, these female prime ministers, and all this, I feel like they, they, did a, they think they did a spin move around human nature. They think they just did a spin move around all of humanity's existence. And they're so smug about it. They feel so good about it. And they're just about to get pummeled by reality. I think of this often. I know we've mentioned it here a few times. Remember uh, when the power went out a couple of years ago in San Diego? What year was that? I know what year it is, but I'm more curious if you know. Because if you asked me, I would have said, I don't know, if COVID was two, so maybe like four years ago, four or five. It was 2011. It was 11 years ago. Uh, it seemed like yesterday, but literally someone in Arizona just pressed the wrong button and the power went out in all of Southern California and Northern Mexico and Arizona. And it lasted a day and it was fun. I I was living downtown at the time and all the restaurants opened up on the sidewalk. People were eating and drinking and lots of revelry and it was all in good fun. And then it got nighttime. Nighttime was a little scarier on account of no lights. But people kind of hunkered down and made it through. And then the next morning, I think everything was all worked out. But I assure you, oh, I'm as certain as this as I am anything, that if another day went by, certainly two. Well, let's just do one at a time. If a day went by, people will get a little more touchy. And then people will need ice. So they go to the gas station and get some ice. Oh, they don't have any ice. Or they only have one bag of ice left. Ooh. 
are you going to handle that? Is everyone going to be all uh, altruistic? And then we get to day two or day three of the blackout. People start to get hungry. People need to drive to the food bank, but there's no gas. Got to go to the gas station. We can't pay. What are you going to do? Nights go on. People start to get scared because the bad people realize that there's no police out there. I assure you people would get violent real fast. I think by night three, we'd be, we'd be like the walking dead. Look how much people lost their minds trying to buy toilet paper two years ago. Toilet paper. Fights broke out over toilet paper. And I believe there were a lot of women in those melees at the Costco. The fact that a civilization can't exist, it's on a razor's edge. And it doesn't take much to knock us off and revert us back to the norm of human existence. And the norm of human existence is constant violence all the time. And I almost feel bad for the people who think that cooperation is the norm of human existence. Because you're just going to get destroyed. You're going to get absolutely crushed by that bull that's trying to kill you. And so this idea, this idea that if women were in charge, it would be safer is the same, same uh, Pollyanna foolishness. If women were in charge, there'd be less violence. What are you, what are you talking about? Uh, uh, when Hillary Clinton <laughs> was the Secretary of State, uh, did she really uh, uh, wrap up all those wars we were fighting? What should, what should she do? A woman's in charge of Chicago. How's Chicago going? Oh, so maybe, maybe it's not just women like, in, like, you want women in charge of everything, all the things, police chief, the home, the church. You want women, you just want women or, you know, obviously you can't have women in charge, right? So let's, let's make men more like women. That'll do it. Make men more like women. Then we can all live in peace and harmony in Kumbaya. Is that it? Of course not. And she's not even right. And I don't know what Steven Pinker's claim is, but I'll show you this. There's a, a Chicago professor who's a, a professor of global conflict studies, a woman, and another at uh, William & Mary, a professor of global governance, who did a big old survey, and they uh, analyzed monarchs in Europe from 1480 to 1913. 1480 to 1913. And then there's the kings and queens. They broke it down kings and queens, and they also broke it down unmarried queens and married queens and blah, blah, blah. But the point is, Europe's queens in those 500 years, were 27% more likely to wage war than Europe's kings. Now, I'm sure there's some nuance and all the rest there, but the point is that claim isn't even true, the, the first one. Now, when women are in charge, things are less violent. Well, I don't know, just look at the previous 500 years when there were women in charge of places. There was more violence, so thanks for playing. I tell you, the, uh, the naivete is quite stunning. I'll end with another little anecdote. Anecdote. There's antidote and anecdote, and then I like combine them sometimes. Ant anecdote. I don't. I was at the pause. That's not a tricky. And those are very different things. I don't know why it always trips me up. I think I said the wrong one one time. It's, I, I know I said the wrong one one time. And someone wrote me this nasty email. So like, I have, uh, I have trauma over that email. Uh, 1979, there was a White House dinner 
honoring the leader of China, Deng Xiaoping. And Shirley MacLaine was there for some reason. So you got the leader of China, uh, Carter, and Shirley MacLaine, right? Is that right, Carter? That's embarrassing. Yeah, Carter and uh, Shirley MacLaine. All right. Now, uh, in our story here, Shirley MacLaine represents all naive Americans, not just people in Hollywood, although yes, but all naive, utopian, Pollyanna Americans who think that if women were in charge or if communism, if we had, if we had more happiness and communism, she told Deng about the Chinese scientist she met when she was touring China and said he was happier and more productive with former professor who uh, was no longer in a university. He was now working on a farm. And she's like, well, how do you feel about that? And the professor said that he had great happiness working on the farm. He was learning so much from the poor peasants that he was working alongside. So Shirley MacLaine is telling this to the leader of China. And uh, after listening to the story and paused, Deng replied, he lied. That was what he was told to say at the time. That's what the leader of China told, told Shirley McLean. And the translator of the whole thing said McLean's jaw dropped. This naive American actress could not fathom that this Chinese man was lying, that he was happier under the oppressive Chinese state. Couldn't, couldn't understand that he was lying when he said he was happier. Of course he lied. He was going to get shot in the head if he didn't lie. Shirley? Don't be so naive. Oh, look at the communists over here. They're so happy. Look, they love working in their communes. How do you know? I asked him. He lied. Oh, what? Well, if only women were in charge. This is someone from New Zealand. She says, do people really hang American flags outside their houses in the States? Like, is it an actual thing you see a lot of, or is it just an occasional thing or something I only see in movies? Uh, putting an American flag up was the first thing we did when we moved into our new house. I called Sandy at the Warrior Foundation. I want to know if they had an old flag laying around that they used to fly at the Freedom Station, hung by our veterans. She sent me one right away. Uh, in our cul-de-sac, there's eight houses here. There's five American flags. And I see maybe eight more on the drive through the neighborhood. I can only assume that the other three in the neighbor in the cul-de-sac here are communists. I'll work on them, though. Nah, nah, they're all good people. Don't know why they hate America so much, though. But then Escondido also has that big giant flag where the car dealerships are that you can see from anywhere. So not enough flags, not enough American flags, eight on my drive through the neighborhood, five more. Yeah, there should be 10 times as many flags. One of my buddies told me yesterday, I need 10 times as much ammo as I have right now. <laughs> I told him how much I had. He said, oh, you need 10 times that much. I said, what? 10? And I feel the same way about American flags in our neighborhood. Uh, but check out these comments. Uh, this person said, I did only once after Barack Obama was elected as president. Took it down the next day. That flag has so much bad history associated with it for folks that look like me. Black woman. Terrifyingly real. 
I didn't notice it anymore as a regular visitor, but my brothers made a game of counting them during their first visit. It's terrifyingly real when people have American flags in the front. Someone said, unfortunately, it's a very common thing. <laughs> unfortunately, when I start seeing those, I know I'm in the wrong area. Well, I don't know. I think my call is actually pretty nice. I don't know. Someone said, honestly, it's an easy way to gauge how safe I am in a community. The more flags, the more danger. Wow. This is an American flag, not the Confederate flag or whatever. A friend of mine who's black was looking to buy a house. Her realtor is black as well and told her, if we see too many flags, we will know that neighborhood isn't safe for you. They definitely serve as a warning sign now. <laughs> what are you talking about? Someone said, it's real, all right, and it bemused me at the first time I visited the States. I couldn't figure out the, what the point was. I still can't. Now I'm used to it. I just shrug my shoulders and roll my eyes. It means America's awesome, and I live here. Almost none of this broad's comments were, excuse me, excuse me. Almost none of the comments to this fine New Zealand citizen subject, excuse me, subject to the queen, uh, were positive. No one had a positive thing to say about the American flag. There is a lack of patriotism in our country. And it is on purpose. It is on purpose. They need to destroy everything you have a connection to. They need to make you unmoored. Everything you've been moored to, they need to unmoor you like a boat ties to a, the dock, right? The progressive academics have been criticizing patriotism for decades now, but notice they haven't for a while replaced it with anything else, right? They haven't replaced patriotism with a loyalty or devotion or love of anything else. It's been for a while just nihilism, the belief in nothing. So they had to take anything that people did have a loyalty to or anything that people did have an affinity towards and destroy that bond, destroy that connection. They had to make the flag, the American flag, a bad thing. It's crazy to me. A lot of people have Ukrainian flags flying around now, though, right? But they had to make the American flag a bad thing. America's a bad thing. America's rotten, uh, racist to the core. The flag, therefore, is a sign of racism. Uh, what do you do? What do you? You're, you're, you're mental illness if you think the flag represents racism. But this is all done on purpose. So you're, you're to believe nothing. And if you believe nothing, it means you'll fall for anything, right? Now, uh, let me say this first. Patriotism is kind of like a broad concept. It can be weaponized, no question. I mean, Biden, even Joe Biden says, uh, you need to get the vaccine. It's the patriotic thing to do, all right? So patriotism can be weaponized. Patriotism can uh, be confused with, oh, it means you have to support this war that may or may not be in America's best interest, right? So it's definitely been weaponized, no question. But that's not, you don't throw away patriotism. You don't, you don't throw it away completely. And I got a lot of problems with America. I got a lot of problems. Still love this country. The reason I got problems is because I want to make it better. I want it to be what, it, what, what things were. Oh, you mean back when we had slavery? <laughs> yeah, that's it. You got me. I want a love, a, a re-commitment uh, 
re-understanding of the love of the principles that this country used to be founded on, or was founded on, that used to unite us. These were good things, and we don't have them anymore. So for a while, the left replaced them with nothing. They just destroyed patriotism and left it with nothing. But now they're destroying it and replace it with group victimhood identity. So you are to, now that you're unmoored to everything, God, America, your family, everything, you're unmoored, now you, now they're, they're giving you something to, to tie up to. And that is your, your group identity of victimhood. So instead of unifying around the, the American principles of self-reliance and the old bootstrap worldview, which is racist, now you have to tie yourself with your fellow subjects on the amount of oppression you have both felt in your existence because of whatever skin color you have or whatever. You want to know the uh, official data? So that's where we are right now. So that's why they, they attack patriotism. Um, you want to know the official definition, the original, excuse me, original definition of patriotism? Uh, there's a website. It's called Webster's Dictionary 1828.com. It's great. And it is the original Webster's Dictionary. Noah Webster, 1828. Uh, patriotism, noun. Love of one's country. The passion which aims to serve one's country, either in defending it from invasion or protecting its rights and maintaining its laws and institutions in vigor and purity. Patriotism is the characteristic of a good citizen. The noblest passion that animates a man in the character of a citizen. That was a great, that's a great definition right there. The characteristic of a good citizen, the noblest passion that animates a man in the character of a citizen. Uh, that's what it used to be today. It's, it's my the love of my victim group status. That's my identity. That's my passion. And with vigor, I will proclaim what a victim I am. Quite literally, quite literally they've replaced patriotism and the american flag with their own victimhood because they have flags for these things isn't that weird they have black lives matter flags they have gay flag trans flags <laughs> like, why, why do you have a flag oh they're looking to replace the flag see it Eight five eight five two two five seven seven five eight five eight five two two five seven seven five. All right, I got a crazy video I want to play coming up next of uh, uh I don't even know how to describe it. I want to. Um, it's uh, I got to be careful. Well, let's do it next. Mike Slayer, <laughs> spread the word. Is that for real? San Diego Unified, sixteen and over. You need the vaccine to go to school next year. Unbelievable. He's psycho. Uh, all right. Speaking of psychos, check this out. Uh, this person says, I have no clue what to do. My daughter can't get bottom surgery and is becoming suicidal. I've always been in support of my transgender daughter. When she was still a boy and started expressing a want to be a girl, I did everything right. That's the key line right there. I did everything right. Therapists, then puberty blockers, everything. Now she's 20 and everything's falling apart. We had to hold off on the body surgery because of costs, but now finally had enough and went and got several consults. All have said the same thing. The puberty blockers have left her with a micro penis. 
She has to get part of her vagina made with her colon. Well, one of her friends, that's another key we'll get back to, had that surgery. And even years later, it smells fairly colon-like. That apparently is a real thing. Obviously, my daughter is now distraught. She's in counseling, but it's becoming worse and worse in her mental state, and I'm frantic. On top of this, she has never had any sexual function. No urges, no erections. Even when she tried masturbation to see if she could stimulate herself, nothing. The doctors say this may not change even after surgery. Her dating life is dismal as well. We knew it would be hard, but it's impossible. The one man who was with her for a while just soon became frustrated by the lack of sexual anything and broke it off. I don't know what to do. Please help my child. So the saddest thing here is um, uh, for the, uh, that this mom said, I'm assuming mom. I can't imagine a dad ever going along with this stuff, but it, it happens. I imagine it's a mom, but she said, we did everything right. According to whom? That's, that's what I want all of us to always consider. You did right, everything right according to whom? It's not even about just this issue. Because you're excited, I don't have any transgender, blah, 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 no, no, no. That's what I'm talking about. Anything, anything. When you think I did everything right according to whom? Because this woman says, I did everything right. And then it goes on to describe all the stuff she did to completely ruin her child's life in an irreversible way. All while thinking I did everything right. When she was doing it and now afterwards, even looking back, we did everything right. I did everything right. What's wrong? I did everything right. Well, you were following the wrong people. If you were trying to destroy your boy, your child, what would you have done differently? We did everything right. According to whom? So just on this transgender thing, we're, we're told today by our leaders, by the experts, that these puberty blockers, which by the way, you can pick up at Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood is the nation's largest distributor of puberty blockers, which is makes sense, I guess, because once you go on them, you become infertile, right? You're never gonna have kids after that. So, right? so girls just walking in, boys, girls walking and getting them. And we're told today they're reversible. Oh, it's safe, harmless, reversible. What are you out of your mind? We today, in the year of our Lord, 2022, we have no right to look down on people who came before us for their crazy, mixed up, crazy views on anything. It doesn't matter what it is. Nothing. You, can, you, you are not allowed. <laughs> no, no one listening now, and certainly no one who still believes all this transgender kid stuff, can ever look back on people from a thousand years ago, five hundred years ago, two hundred years ago, and be like, "Can you believe they did that? Can you believe they believe that? That's crazy." No, you are. How about all the people who thought that lobotomies were a good thing? JFK's own daughter—they gave her a lobotomy. They gave JFK's daughter a lobotomy. I believe there, like there's some lobotomy techniques where they'd go up through your eye. I think they went. Like this. Eh? Transorbital lobotomy. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, they force it through the back of your eye. The nerve pathway and uh, the lobe or lobes of the brain are severed. Uh, the procedure was formerly used as a radical therapeutic measure to help grossly disturbed patients with schizophrenia. Blah, blah, blah. Whoa, Nelly. <laughs> through your eyeball. All right, they did that to JFK's daughter. 
Well, no, we're gonna we got a problem here. Let's sell. I don't know. Let's remove part of her brain. But at least that was for serious mental illnesses, right? We weren't going to kindergarten classrooms and <laughs> picking kids out and like giving them lobotomies during the lunch period or whatever, right? But we're so insane now. We're doing this stuff to kids under the guise of science with doctors and children's hospitals with the full support of the White House and peer-reviewed papers and the Ivy League. Every official source of authority in our country, every source of authority in our country, every single one, says this is the thing to do, which led this mom to think, oh, we did everything right. We did everything right. And we are doing this to younger and younger kids who are all self-diagnosed. That's crazy too. Right? Lobotomies were rare. But imagine if an eight-year-old said i need a lobotomy <laughs> all the adults were like sounds great here's a scalpel you want to do it yourself you want to jam it up through your eyeball and sever your own brain or do you want me to do it you want someone else what do you want to do but if you think this is what you need honey i mean you're only eight and all but you're the expert on you here's the deal if this transgender stuff was a thing that was just going on in Planned Parenthood, right? and every institution in America was against it, I wouldn't talk about it. If, ever, if the American Medical Association denounced it, if children's hospitals spoke out against it, if academia and higher education and med schools spoke out against this transgender st stuff with the kids, if it was properly criticized in public popular culture, if, if Disney <laughs> said nothing or spoke against it, or if the White House and everyone from every political party said that this is wrong and needs to stop, then I would never mention it, it would never cross my mind, it would never come up to the show. And it would all eventually die out. But this is the opposite. That's the opposite. Our children's hospital, our children's hospital has a center for gender-affirming care. Our children's hospital. The program director is Bixby Marino Kibbe. They, them, their pronouns. A non-binary, non trans-masculine, queer mental health professional. That's their bio. Okay, that's the program director, Bixby. The medical director is Maha Marinkovich. This is an interview with the medical director of, of our children's hospital's gender affirming care, Center for Gender Affirming Care. Medical director. This is an interview with her saying that, uh, this is an old interview actually, this is from 2015. <laughs> this interview from 2015, was seven years ago. Imagine what they're doing now, saying that she's had five-year-olds come to the center, most common age 15, here's a little bit seem to be nowadays more accepting society and therefore it seems that there are more children and certainly in our clinic the numbers of new patients is rapidly increasing data from our clinic is showing that there are more natal females who are transitioning to male and this data is different from what has been seen in european studies you ghoul it's because young girls are susceptible to social contagion 
meaning what their friends are doing. Do you notice in that thing I read here, uh, this woman's mom's daughter uh, has a friend, right? One of her friends had the surgery, right? This stuff is a social contagion. It happens in groups of girls. Uh, if, if the reason why there are, are so many transgender people now is because we're a more accepting society, right? So, if, so the idea is that there's always been this many trans people, but they've always been in the closet and now they're all coming out of the closet. So now we're, we're seeing the real number of transgender people that there, there've always been, right? That's the argument. If that were true, then you would see 20-year-old, 30-year-old, 40-year-old, 50-year-old, 60-year-old people coming out as transgender, right? But you're not. It's eight to 15-year-old girls. It's girls around puberty. These are the same girls, literally the same uh, like personality or characteristics, whatever, where in previous generations, they would have been anorexic or they would have cut themselves. Uh, transgenderism is also prevalent among girls who are high-functioning autistic. They tend to fixate on a thing once it's introduced to them, right? And they, they feel a more social ostracization, looking for solutions. So these are girls, these are confused girls going through puberty for the most part, and we are mutilating them. Mutilating them. And again, if every single cultural, medical, and government institution was against this, then I'd be like, okay, whatever, I don't need to pile on. But in fact, every single cultural, medical, and government institution is cheering this on. Imagine if in the 90s, when there were like a lot of girls had eating disorders, right? Imagine if every cultural institution said, you know what, you are fat. You... you Look at that little wall right there. You could, you could lose you could lose a few. Well, actually, more than a few. You could lose a lot, actually. You are pretty chubbo, 12-year-old. You really are fat. And imagine if Disney, if Disney came out and said, girls everywhere, as you can see here from Cinderella, she is very skinny. You are very fat. And you are, therefore, a worthless person. So you should starve yourself, or better yet, eat and throw it up. If you feel fat, then you are fat and you should starve yourself. And the American Medical Association said, came out and said, all girls who feel fat should be throwing up after they, and they put out infographics about how to best throw up, what best, what techniques there are for, for the, the best way to throw up. That was the American Medical Association. I feel like we, I'd be here saying, whoa, 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 what's happening here? And that's what's happened. That's how I feel with, the, with all this, all this uh, trans stuff going. I was like, wait, what? I got one more Rady clip to play next, but we got to go. Take a break. We'll do it next. Mike Slater Show. Spread the word. Oh, Slater. Slater. So we, uh, this is neither here nor there, just uh, it's venting. Uh, so there's the homeschool room, like the kids' play room. We call it the homeschool room. The thing I've been doing, all the built the built-ins and all this stuff. Did wallpaper a couple weeks ago. That is not fun. Um, so I bought a painting, a print, an art print to put up on the wall, right? So the print was $80. Very nice painting. It'll bring the room together, whatever. 80 bucks. All right, I'll splurge for 80 bucks. Put a frame on it. It was $500. I <laughs> Well, I'm not doing that. That's ridiculous. $500 frame. 
So I just got the print. So now I don't have a frame. So I was in, uh, I was in uh, Sports Arena Boulevard the other day. Whoo-wee. The worst place in San Diego. So I was in Sports Arena Boulevard. I was giving a speech. I was going to Stone Brewing. I was about to give a speech, but I was there early. So I drove by the, the Rocks thrift store. And one of our listeners had an idea that, that this person always gets their uh, frames from the thrift store. So I went to the, the thrift store and I walked in and there were t- all these old paintings and they were like, you know, hideously ugly paintings from whatever. So I just bought one for like 30 bucks from, uh, from the thrift store. Great. So I got this frame now. Right? So I got a frame, but it doesn't quite fit. It's not exactly right, but uh, it like, kind of work, whatever. So I was like, okay, well now I need a mat. So I go look like, where can I buy a mat for the painting? So I was like, oh, you got to go to Michael's. You go to Michael's. So I go to the Michael's website. Sure enough, this, this last weekend, 70% off frames at Michael's. You know, Michael's does the custom framing. You get a custom mat too. 70% off their frames. So I was like, oh, that's amazing. 70%, I've got 70% off anything. So I go to, I go, bring the kids, me and all the kids. The wife was off doing something. I forget. You. So I bring all the kids. We'll go to Michael's uh, and, and we'll buy a frame for their painting. Right? So, so we go, we go through the whole process. She's like, what do you want? I was like, I don't really know. Let's just price it out. Uh, it's like, I forget how big it is. It's pretty big, but you know, not obscene. I don't know what's big. I forget like 36 by 24 or something like that or whatever. Uh, so I go through the whole process with the lady and and I go, well, how much would this cost? Would you do like a middle of the road frame, single mat? What do you think it costs? I thought Michael's 70% off. I thought it'd be a hundred dollars. What did you think it was a hundred bucks? 70% off a hundred dollars. She said, this, that'll be $500. I said, and then 70% off. No, no. That's $500. What are you kidding me? And I was like, so you tell me this is a, what like a, like a $1,700 purchase. If I came here last week or next week, this would be $1,700. You're telling me someone's going to come here tomorrow and buy this frame for $1,700 for the frame? She's like, people do it all the time. I said, what are you, what? I said, I'm not mad at you. I'm just amazed by this. Who would do that? So I was like, all right, what if I just buy the mat? And she's like, oh, if you buy the mat, it'll be $80. I said, well, that's crazy too. I said, I, I, like if she cuts it, I was like, what if I just give me the mat? I just want the, the piece of cardboard mat and I'll go cut it myself. And she said, that'll be $12. <laughs> I said, boom, bingo, nailed it. That's the price is right. I'll take it $12. So for $30, I bought a mat cutter and I just got it last night. So my mission after the show today is to uh, cut a mat. And just like all things, it's going to go horribly, and I'm going to have to go buy a couple more mats, and then a nicer mat cutter, and then it'll end up being $500. I just should have got it anyway. But that's uh, the old DIY. But seriously, $1,700 for a picture frame. What? Like, in no, in no way. I, I can't think of a thing I would frame that would require, or like a quality of frame. Like, if I was framing a Picasso, if I had a real Monet, and I was like, oh, you got to go frame that. I would go to Michael's and they'd be like, oh, that's uh, 700 bucks. I'd be like, whoa, I don't know. I'm, that's, that's too much. All right, let me pay this off here. This is uh, the, the, another doctor at Radies. We're hoping that now that we have this 
clinic available to patients locally that they'll be able to come in at an earlier age where the interventions that we can have and apply are going to be more beneficial for their future mental health. Come in at an earlier age. An earlier age. Have you heard of Tucker Carlson's new documentary? It's called The uh, the End of Men. Talk about it next. Mike Siderson, spread the word.